Hello, my name is Michael, and I obsess. I come across something that grabs me, and I consume until I can't take anymore, and then I'm on to the next. Some obsessions last a week, others a lifetime. It is my intention to explore these obsessions with you as they occur while the passion is hot. Welcome to Eclectic Obsessions. In the fall of 1969, a rumor swept around the world alleging that Paul McCartney, singer and bassist for the Beatles, was dead. In fact, that he had died three years ago on November 9, 1966 in a fiery car crash while heading home from the EMI recording studios. Supposedly, the surviving band members, fearful of the effect his death might have on their careers, secretly replaced him with a double named William Campbell, winner of a Paul McCartney lookalike contest. However, they also planted clues in their later albums to let fans know the truth, that Paul was dead. It is their conspiracy we will be exploring on this episode of Eclectic Obsessions. On October 12, 1969, Russ Gibb, a DJ for Detroit radio station WKNR, took a call from a listener who identified himself as Tom. The caller was concerned about the rumors of Paul McCartney's death and he thought Uncle Russ might be able to explain what was going on. This was news to the DJ, however, and Russ Gibb kept Tom on the line for an extended period as they discussed many of the Paul is Dead clues on the air. And, uh, who do we have here? What's your name? Uh, Tom on the line. Yeah, hello Tom, what's going on? I was going to ram with you about Tom um, McCartney getting dead. What is this all about? Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's go together. I got Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan, and you heard that McCartney was dead. Yeah, that's right. On October 21, 1969, WABC-AM, one of the nation's largest radio stations, fired their overnight DJ Roby Young for reporting over the air that Paul McCartney might have died, circulating nationwide the now infamous Paul is Dead conspiracy theory. It is 22 before the hour at 1 o'clock, WABC chime time. I just got a call from Georgia. Now, this doesn't mean a heck of a lot, except for the fact that the other night I got a call from Indiana. And the whole thing is about one thing. The fact that there's something very strange about the Beetle Paul. The fact that the Beetle Paul may be dead. In Indiana University, uh, for instance, at Bloomington, uh, there are 30 students working on a research project indicating that uh, the Beetle Paul might be dead. I talked to them last night for an hour and a half. As a DJ on the world's largest radio station, uh, I felt it uh, my you know, business to listen to their uh, claims. And they told me some things which uh, shocked me. And I was up all night last night. And I'd promised myself that I would not say anything on WABC because I'm talking to 40 states right now. And there are a heck of a lot of people listening to this thing. And uh, I'm not going to be cut now because it's 12:39 uh, uh, at night and there's nobody standing there to cut the switch. But I'm going to tell you the truth. These kids at Indiana University have mentioned something very strange about Paul. And I am going to give you the things that they have mentioned. And I hope that you will remember that I told you first, because you're going to hear about this. It seems that uh, there's something strange that happened to the Beatle Paul. We're on to something. We're on to either a very carefully thought-out promotion plot by the Beatles, or a death wish by Paul, or something very, very strange. 
If you tuned in late, listen to other stations. By now, they should have picked it up. You know, after I'm off the air, you'll hear about it. Something strange having to do with the Beatle Paul. But please remember you heard it here first in the middle of the night, okay? Please do me that favor, because I'm not going to be around that much longer. From that point on, the story took on a life of its own, and within days it was reported in major newspapers and on network TV news. The story remained in the news for a few weeks until Life magazine tracked down Paul McCartney in Scotland and showed a picture of him with his family on the cover of the November 7, 1969 issue under the heading, Paul is Still With Us. Ever since that early morning of Wednesday, November 9th, 1966, the Beatles have been leaving clues for us all in their songs, album covers, and photographs alluding to the death of their bandmate Paul McCartney. We will now take a closer look at these clues, beginning with the single Strawberry Fields Forever, and in the fade-out of this song, we find our first clue. Let's listen. At the very end of the fade-out, John Lennon says, I buried Paul. Did you hear it? Let's listen one more time. In the following section, we'll be looking at some visual clues, and it will be helpful to you if you got your copy or brought up the artwork to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. John Lennon on Tony Palmer's All You Need Is Love TV series comments that of the people on the Sgt. Pepper cover, two are flying, two are not. There seems to be quite a collection of dead heroes on the cover. Edgar Allan Poe, who died a tragic death. Marilyn Monroe, a suicide victim. James Dean, who died in a motorcycle crash. And Jane Mansfield, decapitated in a car crash. One of the people pictured on the cover is the writer Stephen Crane, who died when he was 28 years old. One of Mr. Crane's short stories is called The Open Boat and concerns four men who struggle to survive in a lifeboat. The one most determined to keep the group together dies in the ordeal. The other three then act as interpreters of the event. And if you look closely, there is a dead beetle on the cover. Original bass guitarist Stuart Sutcliffe, who died April 10, 1962, of a brain hemorrhage. The front cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is a funeral scene. Paul is shown with a hand over his head, signifying death. The Beatles are standing at an angle, with Paul facing the camera as though he were being supported by his bandmates standing at his sides. While the rest of the Beatles are holding brass band instruments, Paul's is black and wood. He is also now significantly taller than the other three. The new psychedelic Beatles stand at the center while wax images of the younger Beatles look mournfully on the grave. A group of hyacinths forms a left-handed guitar. The guitar only has three strings representing the three remaining Beatles. The flowers spell out P A. U. L. Question mark. The bass drum is a headstone. Hold a mirror up to the exact middle of the bass drum that features the Sgt. Pepper logo horizontally and it spells out I. 1. I. X. He. Die. This image suggests the date 11-9 or November.
November 9, 1966, the date that Paul died, as the diamond between the words he and die points directly at Paul. A toy Aston Martin convertible can be seen on the lap of the Shirley Temple ragdoll on the right-hand side of the cover. Paul supposedly died in an Aston Martin. The interior of the car is red, symbolizing Paul's bloody accident. The cloth grandmother figure on whose lap the Shirley Temple doll is resting is wearing a blood-stained driving glove on her left hand, symbolizing the car accident and the fact that Paul was left-handed. The four-armed doll at the front of the picture is Shiva, one of the principal deities of Hinduism. Shiva is known as the Destroyer and the Transformer. Two of the doll's arms are raised, one pointing at the wax image of the younger Paul, and the other pointing at Paul himself. The remaining two point down at the grave. The inside photo again shows Paul being propped up by the other beetles. A closer look at Paul's uniform shows his white bars and epaulets trimmed in black for death. He is also wearing a patch which says OPD, meaning officially pronounced dead. In this next segment, it may be helpful for you to get your copy of or bring up the artwork for the album Magical Mystery Tour. On the front cover of Magical Mystery Tour, all four beetles are dressed in animal costumes. Foremost is the black walrus, which is Paul. The black again is symbolic of death. His arms are spread wide as in a crucifixion. Turn the cover upside down and the word Beatles reads as a phone number that, when dialed, allegedly leads to an answering machine message featuring more clues. The image inside the cover shows the Beatles dressed as wizards, but only Paul's wizard hat features black flowers. In the track listing under I Am The Walrus is written in longhand, No, you're not, said little Nicola. In the inner booklet on page two, Paul sits in front of a sign reading I, you, was, under Union Jack flags, crossed as they would be in a military funeral. On page nine in the second panel, Fool on the Hill is shown next to a cartoon image of Paul. The final L in the title extends through Paul's head as though his head were split open, suggesting the injury that Paul sustained in his fatal accident. Also, Paul's eyes are closed in the picture. On page 13, Paul is pictured without shoes. The shoes are to his left, covered in blood. Ringo's bass drum reads, Love the Three Beatles. On page 25, the Beatles are all wearing carnations, but while the rest of the Beatles have red flowers, Paul's carnation is black. Black carnations are quite rare and avoided mostly because they symbolize mourning and therefore death. When the banquet photo is rotated 90 degrees, a skull appears. Unlike the other images in the booklet, this one does not appear in the movie. On the final page, a hand is over Paul's head. As was the case with the hand over Paul's head on the Sgt. Pepper cover, this was interpreted as a symbol of death, as though Paul were being blessed by a priest before being interred. In this next segment, we'll take a look at some of the lyrical clues included on the Magical Mystery Tour album, starting with The Fool on the Hill. The fool is Paul, who is dead and buried, which is why he lies perfectly still. In I Am the Walrus, the song features a sampled recording of a BBC production of Shakespeare's King Lear. The sampled passage includes the phrases, Slave, thou hast slain me. Villain, take my purse. If ever thou wilt thrive, bury my body. O untimely death. What, is he dead? Sit you down, father, rest you. 
In Blue Jay Way, the ghostly background vocalizations are as follows. There's a fog upon L.A. Paul. And my friends have lost their way. Died. Will be over soon, they said. Paul is buried. In Hello Goodbye, You Say Goodbye, I Say Hello is William Campbell's mention of his arrival and Paul's departure. In All You Need Is Love, No One You Can Save That Can't Be Saved. Nothing you can see that isn't shown. Yes, he's dead. We loved you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In I Am the Walrus, the accompaniment at the beginning of the song has a repeating two-note pattern similar to the two-note sirens in use on emergency vehicles in Britain at the time. The references to pretty little policemen and waiting for the van to come refer to the police who were present at the site of Paul's fatal accident but were paid to remain silent. The opening line of the song, I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together, indicates that all of the Beatles were involved in the conspiracy. Paul suffered his fatal car crash after squabbling with his bandmates and leaving the recording studio in anger on a stupid bloody Tuesday. The refrain, I'm crying, is John expressing his grief over Paul's death. The Eggman refers to Humpty Dumpty, who cracked his head open, as did Paul. Yellow matter custard dripping from a dead dog's eye signifies the gruesome injuries that Paul suffered in the crash. The replacement Paul grew a mustache to cover up his face while healing from plastic surgery to look more like the real Paul. Man, you been a naughty boy. You let your face grow long. In the Paul is Dead mythology, the walrus is an image of death. This has been repeated so often in Paul is Dead sources that it is taken as given, but what is the origin of this? Perhaps it started with Fred Labore's article in the Michigan Daily when he jokingly asserted that the word walrus was the Greek word for corpse. Or perhaps because the walrus costume on the cover of Magical Mystery Tour is the only one that's black. A number of sources have tried to identify the cultural origins of the walrus as an image of death, though they're not quite sure what to make of it. And who was the walrus, anyway? All of the Beatles are dressed in animal costumes on the cover of Magical Mystery Tour, but it isn't clear who is in each costume from that picture. The Beatles are dressed in the same costumes in the photo on the Magical Mystery Tour booklet performing the song. This photo comes from the Beatles' performance of I Am the Walrus in the film Magical Mystery Tour. Although John plays the piano and sings I Am the Walrus, and the walrus is seated behind the piano in the group photo, little Nicola refutes John's claim that he is the walrus. In the list of the song titles in the inside front cover, I Am the Walrus is followed by No You're Not, said little Nicola. Then, of course, is the intriguing line from Glass Onion on the White Album. And here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. Perhaps the final word on this subject is on the song God on John Lennon Plastic Ono Band. On that most confessional of songs, John sings, I was the walrus, but now I'm John. Magical Mystery Tour was also the first album to include the backwards Paul is Dead clues. Let's listen to this excerpt from Blue Jay Way forwards and then reversed. Please don't be long Please don't you be very long Please don't be long Oh, I may be asleep Please save me now oh, leave my 
When played in reverse, George seems to say, Paul is bloody. Paul is very, very bloody. Let's listen again. Now let's do the same thing with an excerpt from I Am the Walrus. When reversed, the chant seems to become Ha ha, Paul is dead, ha ha, Paul is dead. Let's listen again. For this next segment, it would be helpful if you got your copy or brought up online the poster included with the double album The Beatles, also known as The White Album. The poster is a collage and included is a picture of Paul with a mustache and glasses, which is supposedly William Campbell before his Paul makeover. There is a picture of Paul in the bathtub, which parallels how his decapitated corpse looked after the crash. Paul McCartney in profile, clapping and dancing. Right behind Paul, there appears to be a pair of skeletal hands reaching out for him. They are said to mean that Paul has been somehow marked for death and that after his demise, the surviving Beatles added this photo to the poster to alert their fans to the fact that Paul was indeed dead. In this next segment, we'll be examining some of the lyrical clues from the double Beatles album, beginning with Glass Onion, looking through the bent back tulips to see how the other half live, Paul singing from the grave. I told you about the walrus and me, man. You know we're as close as can be, man. Well, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. John, positively identifying Paul. I told you about the fool on the hill. I tell you, man, he's living there still. John, identifying Paul's gravesite. In the fade-out to the song, while my guitar gently weeps, George is singing Paul, Paul, Paul. And don't pass me by, Ringo sings, I listened for your footsteps coming up the drive. Listened for your footsteps, but they don't arrive. And you were in a car crash, and you lost your hair. In Revolution number 9, the beginning of the song, you can hear two men quietly talking. They're saying, realize. I know all about it, George, and I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? Yes. This apparently is a conversation with the producer George Martin and could be about placing clues on the track. In the middle of the song, a man calmly says, He hit a pole. We better get in to see a surgeon. So anyhow, he went to the dentist instead. They gave him a pair of teeth that weren't any good at all. My wings are broken and so is my hair. I'm not in the mood for words. Find the night watchman. A fine natural imbalance. Must have got it in the shoulder blades. This monologue is not constant and is interrupted by horns, screams, and the sound of fire. Other dangling phrases can be heard such as, Take this, brother, may it serve you well. 
Some suggest this might be Paul passing on his fame, talent, etc. to Billy Campbell, the new Paul McCartney. Now let's explore some of the backwards clues the Beatles left for us on their double album. We begin with the space between I'm So Tired and Blackbird. Let's listen to it forwards and then reversed. So what did you hear? Anything? Many claim they heard, Paul is a dead man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. Let's listen one more time. And now we've arrived at the most famous backwards clue of them all, contained in the song Revolution Number no. 9. We'll listen forwards and then backwards. Number 9, 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 number 9. Turn me on, dead man. In a day in the life on Sgt. Pepper, the Beatles sang, I'd love to turn you on, and now, if in answer several years later, we hear a voice saying in a Beatles song, Turn me on, dead man. The entirety of Revolution Number no. 9, both forwards and backwards, could be dissected as one large Paul is dead clue, but I'm going to feature one last particularly chilling backwards section before we move on. Listen for the sound of a speeding car, then a lorry sounding its horn and a heavenly choir singing, the bell chimes of a fire engine, and then turn me on, dead man, turn me on, and then the chatter of a gathering crowd before Paul starts screaming, let me out, let me out. next section we'll be looking again at visual clues and it may be helpful for you to get your own copies of or bring up the artwork for both the albums Yellow Submarine and Abbey Road. On the Yellow Submarine cover there is a hand above Paul McCartney's head signifying once more that Paul was dead. 
the front cover of the Abbey Road album is a funeral procession. Leading the procession is John wearing white, symbolizing the clergy. Ringo, dressed in black, is an undertaker or pallbearer. George, dressed in denim work clothes, is the gravedigger, and Paul, in a suit, is the corpse. He is out of step with the other Beatles, leading with his right foot instead of with his left. Also, Paul's eyes are closed, and he is holding a cigarette in his right hand, even though the real Paul McCartney was left-handed. The license plate on the Volkswagen reads LMW28IF. Linda McCartney weeps. Paul would have been 28 if he was still alive. Turning our attention now to the rear cover, the dots to the left of the B in Beatles can be connected to form a three, indicating that there are now only three Beatles. There is a crack running through the word Beatles and a skull barely visible to the right of the sign. It's all bloody stupid, complained Paul McCartney when he was interviewed by Life magazine in the fall of 1969. On Abbey Road we were wearing our ordinary clothes. I was walking barefoot because it was a hot day. The Volkswagen just happened to be parked there. In this next section we're going to take a look at some of the lyrical clues from the album Abbey Road beginning with the song Come Together. Here come old flat top might refer to the injuries to the head Paul sustained in his fatal crash. He wear no shoe shine may refer to the barefoot Paul in the cover photo for the LP. Got to be good looking cause he's so hard to see may refer to the absence of the cute beetle. Got to be a joker he just do what he please might refer to the great hoax, Paul's replacement by a lookalike. And the line one and one and one is three might mean that there are now three Beatles instead of four. Come together, right now, over me. Paul's words from the grave. And now let's take a look at the medley that concludes side two of Abbey Road. The Sun King was the name given to Louis XIV of France. This powerful monarch was the subject of Alexander Dumas' Man in the Iron Mask, a piece of historical fiction about a twin brother of Louis who was sentenced to wear an iron mask to prevent his public identification. However, the twin ended up replacing the real Louis without anyone but his closest associates knowing about the switch. The whole scenario resembles the theory of Paul being replaced and the change being covered up. You Never Give Me Your Money contains the line, All Good Children Go to Heaven. Golden slumbers is the big sleep, death. Carry that weight could be interpreted as a pallbearer's task as well as a heavy burden on the remaining Beatles after Paul's death. The medley concludes with the end. Now, if you get your copy of or bring up the artwork for the Let It Be album, you'll see on the front cover the other Beatles are pictured on a white background where Paul's background is blood red. Looking at the audio clues, the only backwards clue here is from the song Let It Be. Let's listen to it now. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Paul's replacement sings, he's dead, he's dead. Did you hear it? Let's listen again. Now let's take a look at the lyrical clues from two of the singles released from that time. The first being Lady Madonna. The line, 
Wednesday morning papers didn't come refers to an English newspaper recalling Wednesday's paper which reported Paul's crash. You know my name, look up the number. After the cuckoo clock chimes, a phone rings and a number is recited. Calling this number will present you with a recorded announcement containing more clues. In this next section, we're going to take a look at clues included in Beatle movies, the first being Magical Mystery Tour. During the Blue Jay Way sequence, a disturbing picture of a decapitated corpse flashes up on the screen with the words Magical Mystical Boy scrawled on his chest. Immediately following this, we see the Beatles looking at this picture whilst John is rocking on a rocking horse. He stops for a moment, looking at it, before suddenly starting to rock again. And now on to the movie Yellow Submarine. A gravestone reads, Number 49, Here Lies Buried. It is speculated that because Paul has four letters and McCartney has nine, that the person who lies buried there is Paul McCartney. And now a look at television coverage with Paul McCartney, the complete story told for the first and last time. The show was broadcast on WOR TV station in New York on November 30th, 1969, in which F. Lee Bailey cross-examined some of the college newspaper authors and other witnesses about the rumor. Bailey, who used a courtroom setting to interrogate the subjects, left it to his TV viewers to draw their own conclusions. Would you tell us your name, please, sir? Russ Gibbs. And where do you live, Mr. Gibbs? Detroit, Michigan. And what is your occupation? I'm a disc jockey on an underground radio station called WKNR-FM. Calling your attention to the 12th day of October of this year, 1969, Mr. Gibbs, in the afternoon, were you on duty and on the air? Yes, sir. And did you receive a phone call from a listener about Paul McCartney, the Beatles singer? Yes, sir, I did. I draw your attention now to this reel of tape before me on the recorder and ask you if you can identify it. Uh, it looks like the tape that was taken off our uh, log. We have to log all programming. Does it reproduce the conversation about McCartney? Yes, sir. Yeah, hello, Tom. What's going on? Oh, uh, well, I got a score of that. Are you got your radio on? Oh, yeah, some of that. You got some of that, man, because you're going to feed that. Um, I was going to rabbit you about uh, McCartney being dead. What is this all about? What other examples, if any, did you find of curious uh, doings on these albums and recordings? Well, at that point, uh, the switchboard at the station started to light up like crazy, and kids started to call in, but I still had this fellow on the air, and he said to get the uh, Magical Mystery Tour album. Is this that album? Yes, sir. This is what the one. With reference to that album did you do? Well, I got out Strawberry Fields, which is a cut on here. And right at the very end, he said, play it. And he said, see if you can hear something in there. And uh, so I play the album, and you hear very distinctly at the end, someone saying, I buried Paul. May we have your name, sir? My name is Fred LeBourne. And where do you live? Ann Arbor, Michigan. What is your occupation, please? I'm a student there at the university. Are you the same Fred Labor who published on October 14, 1969, an article in the Michigan Daily, a newspaper published by the university, which begins as follows. Paul McCartney was killed in an automobile accident in early November 1966 after leaving EMI recording studios tired, sad, and dejected. Right. I wrote that story. Do you know for a fact that that's true? No, I don't. Well, why did you publish it? Well, I was supposed to, um, they asked me to review Abbey Road, which was uh, the current Beatle album. So uh, I decided I didn't want to just uh, write a review about, you know, this is Paul does this song and George does this song, et cetera, et cetera, like all reviews go. So I decided to make it work symbolically on a religious level. I hand you a copy mm -hmm. of the album, 
published by the Beatles called Abbey Road and ask you to explain what it was there that made you suspect that Paul was in fact dead. The four Beatles are crossing a street called Abbey Road and they are leaving what appears to be a cemetery on the left-hand side of the album cover. The first Beatle, John Lennon, is dressed in white and with long hair looks either like uh, a doctor or a minister or even a Christ-like figure, a God-like figure. The next uh, man walking across the street is Ringo, who's dressed as an undertaker. The next man is Paul, who's wearing an outdated suit. Uh, he's barefoot, um, which is, uh, would suggest a corpse. And George Harrison has, uh, is wearing denim clothes, like he's a grave digger. What significance, if any, do you attach to the parked Volkswagen with a registration plate on the back? Well, the license plate says 28 if, and if Paul McCartney were alive today, he would be in his 28th year of existence. In other words, he would be 27 looking toward his 28th That's birthday. Correct. Ask you to reverse the album and tell me whether or not you find anything on the rear of the album that to you is suspicious or appears to be deliberate. Well, there are three dots in the wall up near the top that appear if drawn, if a line was drawn between them, it appears to make the number three, so it would read three beetles. Would you connect them up as you suggest? Three beetles. And you say that that was intended to be a message that there are now alive only three beetles? Oh, I don't know if it was intended to be that at all. But it's evidence that you find persuasive. To yeah, it's a, it's a coincidence and a series of hundreds of coincidences in the albums. November 7th, 1969, Life magazine sent a team of London correspondents and a photographer to the remote reaches of Scotland on an unannounced visit to Paul McCartney's farm. Hoping to avoid detection, the Life team hiked four and a half miles across cold moors and muddy fields until they approached the farmhouse of the missing beetle. However, McCartney's sheepdog Martha soon began barking at the interlopers. Paul then ran outside and began yelling at the reporters, charging them with trespassing. The photographer in the group, Robert Graham, began snapping pictures of an enraged McCartney, and for his efforts, Graham was drenched with a bucket of water. The life team then retreated down the road. McCartney, meanwhile, back in his kitchen, reviewing what had just happened, realized he had been perhaps a bit too harsh. He then jumped into his Land Rover, caught up with the group, and invited them back to the house for a cup of tea. After some discussion, a bargain was struck. Paul agreed to give the life correspondents an exclusive interview. In return, Robert Graham agreed to give Paul the film and his camera. And Paul, in remarks to the journalist Dorothy Bacon, said, Perhaps the rumor started because I haven't been much in the press lately. I have done enough press for a lifetime, and I don't have anything to say these days. I'm happy to be with my family, and I will work when I work. I was switched on for ten years, and I never switched off. Now I am switching off whenever I can. I would rather be a little less famous these days. I would rather do what I began by doing, which is making music. We make good music, and we want to go on making good music. But the Beatle thing is over. It has been exploded, partly by what we have done, and partly by other people. We are individuals, all different. John married Yoko. I married Linda. We didn't marry the same girl. The people who are making up these rumors should look to themselves a little more. There is not enough time in life. They should worry about themselves instead of worrying whether I am dead or not. What I have to say is all in the music. If I want to say anything, I write a song. Can you spread it around that I am just an ordinary person and want to live in peace? We have to go now. We have two children at home. And then, following the release of Let It Be in 1970, the Beatles broke up, but the clues didn't stop. Let's look at some of the lyrical clues from their solo years, beginning with John Lennon's How Do You Sleep. He sings, Those freaks was right when they said you was dead. In Ringo's Back Off Boogaloo, Wake up, meathead, 
Don't pretend that you are dead. Get yourself up off the cart. Much later in the Paul is live release, he parodies the Abbey Road cover. The Volkswagen Beetle's license plate is edited to read 51 is, indicating that he is alive and his age at the time was 51. Paul is wearing shoes. His left foot is forward. He is holding the leash in his left hand. Let's fast forward now to 1995 when the unthinkable happened and the Beatles reunite to release two new singles accompanying their anthology series. Let's explore now some of the visual clues in the video for their first single in over 25 years, Free as a Bird. At 2.21 of the video, a car crash has occurred. The black police van from the cover of Abbey Road is there. In the window, we see an image looking remarkably like the anguished face of McCartney. At 2.24, the crowd of onlookers, including John, next to the police van. At 2.29, a view of the car crash. At 4 minutes, a view of the cemetery. At 4 minutes, 4 seconds, a figure in the graveyard looking remarkably like Paul as depicted on the back of Sergeant Pepper. Martha the Sheepdog appears, confirming who we are seeing. At 4.17, we're transported to Abbey Road. A car drives straight through where McCartney would be. A few books have been written on the subject of the Paul is Dead conspiracy, and the first we're going to look at, and the most interesting in my opinion, being The Walrus Was Paul by R. Gary Patterson. From the back jacket, it was the late 1960s. The Beatles hadn't toured since 1966, and some truly bizarre indications began appearing, pointing to the unthinkable. Paul McCartney had been killed in a car accident and replaced by a lookalike. The Walrus Was Paul unearths every single clue from one of rock and roll's most enduring puzzles and takes you on a magical mystery tour of baffling yet fascinating hints for solving this mystery. Here's an excerpt from an interview on Coast to Coast with author R. Gary Patterson. Let's jump ahead then for a moment, not to the event of 66, to a, an apparent accident, but let's jump over to 1969 when... Russ Gibb gets that phone call at the WKNR, Keener, as we used to call that okay. station in Detroit. And he gets this call from someone who says what? He says, uh, I want to rap with you about McCartney being dead and all. What does it mean? And then Russ Gibb said, oh, what are you talking about? And he says, well, if you play certain Beatles songs at the, at the fade-out or backwards, then you hear this message that Paul is dead. So Russ Gibb played along with it, and he, he listened to Strawberry Fields Forever backwards, or not backwards, but at the fade out, and he listened to some of the other tracks, and next thing you knew, it exploded, and a lot of people were listening. So uh, it starts there. I mean, that's basically your major radio ploy, except also Robbie Young in New York carried it to even more stations, and then you had this national panic on the Beatles. And what was interesting is after it started, it could probably have been shut up pretty ca uh, quickly, but the Beatles didn't make any comment. And when the uh, message came to England at Apple, uh, one of the Apple employees comes to Paul and he says, uh, Paul, what do you want to do? There's an American DJ who says that you're dead. What should we say? <laughs> Tell him I'm not. He says, but before he said, tell him I'm not, he said, it sounds like good publicity to me. Uh -huh. Tell him I'm not. Now, the, the clues that we hear, the clues that some of us uh, know about, the clues that are in your book, you have categorized into three different areas. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, the first category, I think, 
unfortunately, most of the clues fall in because it's the totally ridiculous. It's uh, trying to make things fit. Like, and, and an instance of this would be, if this accident occurred in 1966, then people go back even further and they'll say, have you noticed on the Help album, McCartney's the only one who doesn't wear a hat. Mm-hmm. He's different mm-hmm. there. So, and anything that has to do with a car, anything that goes with those lines, it fits into the popular myth and it keeps it going. So those are basically unsubstantiated that really don't fit. The second category, which I think is very interesting, is uh, what I call guided looking and guided listening. Um, A lot of times you look at a picture, you don't see the yellow flowered guitars that spell, or flowers in the hyacinth that spell out Paul question mark. But when someone shows you, you say, oh my yeah, how did I miss that? Now, is it actually there? Is it just suggestion? And then the same thing with backward tracks. And, you know, the Beatles were the first to use a backward track, and the first backward track was Rain. And John, if you listen to the last verse, it sounds like he's doing some sort of chant. But when you play it backwards, he's simply saying, when the rain comes, they run and hide their heads. Mm-hmm. And he liked mm-hmm. the way it sounded. And that's a true backward mask. However, there's another form of backward masking called the phonetic reversal, which is uh, a little less unsure. This is like throwing ink on a wall and saying, what do you see there? Right. And a lot of people may be misheard, or a lot of people use it God listening to uh, say, does he say this? And it, sometimes the more you listen to it, the more you hear it. I don't really believe too much in the phonetic reversals, but I do believe in the backward. And like with Rain, and there's some of the backward tracks on the Beatles songs really make a lot of sense with that. So that's the second category, guided looking, guided listening. The last category is uh, the truly strange and unexplained clues that had to be planted by the Beatles. And to me, the mystery is, why did they do it? Why haven't they said anything about it? And then on the other hand, I'm glad that they have it because it keeps it going, and it's a fun story. Absolutely. I mean, here we are, 2003. We're still talking about it. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I I think Paul McCartney enjoys it because... uh, Whoever he may be. Oh, wherever he is in in any any incarnation, I guess. But uh, I, I think I was fascinated when... I was doing the book and worked with a number of, of great DJs on this. And uh, my friend Jay Fox, who wrote the introduction from ABC Radio, mm-hmm. some of the clips you're going to play tonight, I'm sure. He um, he called me and said, Gary, did you hear The Simpsons tonight? And actually I had because it was uh, where Lisa was becoming a vegetarian and she talks to Paul and Linda. And, and uh, Paul tells her, he says, well, if you play Maybe I'm Amazed Backwards, there's a ripping recipe for lentil soup. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is cool. And then when the show ended, you can hear Maybe I'm Amazed playing as a fade-out. And then you hear this voice go, and I said, oh, my God, it is a backward track. So we taped it, played it backwards, and you hear Paul McCartney giving a recipe for lentil soup. He says, take one cup of pepper, add one clove, and he goes through the recipe. And then the very last thing he says is, oh, by the way, I'm alive. The second book we're going to look at was also quite informative and entertaining, Turn Me On Dead Man, The Beatles and the Paul is Dead Hoax by Andrew J. Reeve. From the back jacket, in the fall of 1969, the story seemed to come out of nowhere. Was Beatle Paul McCartney dead? This was no ordinary death rumor. It was believed that McCartney had died years earlier and had been replaced by a lookalike. What's more, the surviving Beatles were thought to have planted clues to his death on their record albums. Paula's dead mania swept the United States as people attempted to solve the riddle of Paul's alleged demise. How did all of this happen? Beatles scholar and journalist Andrew J. Reeve has gotten to the bottom of this intrigue. After years of research, Reeve has assembled Turn Me On, Dead Man to tell the strangest tale ever in the history of rock and roll. And the last book we're going to look at I've only just heard of in the research for this podcast and have not yet read but am very intrigued by. 
The Memoirs of Billy Shears by Thomas E. U. Harriet. From the back jacket, the full unabridged version of the unique book that set world records, The Memoirs of Billy Shears, letting the world in on secrets concealed since the 60s, The Memoirs of Billy Shears reveals infallible proofs and other overwhelming evidence to finally prove all these decades later that Paul McCartney really died in 1966. From verifiable facts in this book, you will be sure of it and will know how to easily prove to others that Paul was replaced by William Shepard, Billy Shears. William has been playing the part of Paul, recording and performing since Paul's fatal automobile accident all those years ago. The advent of the internet and the proliferation of both Beatle and conspiracy websites has taken the Paul is Dead investigations in a new direction that of physical comparison of Paul McCartney and his supposed replacement. New Paul is several inches taller, his head is longer and thinner, his ears change shape, his nose changes in length and width, the chin changes dramatically from an almost perfectly symmetrical one with a cleft straight down the middle, to a very uneven, crooked and pointy chin with a cleft offset to the left. The first man has a very wide, round face, the second has a tall, thin face. These websites go into enormous depth with their comparisons using photographs, album covers, and videos. You can look for yourself. Just go to your browser and type in Paul is Dead Physical Comparisons and page through the results. I personally believe that Paul McCartney is still alive, but I am obsessed with all the clues, paranoia, and persistence of this rumor. But what I think doesn't matter. What do you think? Is Paul McCartney alive? Thank you for listening to Eclectic Obsessions. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave me a review. All five-star reviews will be read on the show. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eclectic Obsessions. On Twitter at Eclectic Obsess 1 on Instagram at instagram.com eclectic underscore obsessions underscore podcast and on YouTube at Eclectic Obsessions. I'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to email the show at ecobpod at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks with a new Eclectic Obsession. Super awful!